further up and further in. I'm Amy and I'm here with Michelle. Hey, Amy, you're not here though. That's I, the well, problem. I know. That's the We're, problem. <laughs> I should maybe change it where it's like, I'm Amy and I'm virtually here with Michelle. Nah, it's totally okay. I'm in Calgary. You're in Beaver Lodge. We have listeners in Ontario and Nova Scotia, Florida, Georgia, Texas, Hong Kong, Mississippi, BC, and a whack ton in Alberta. And a whack ton in Alberta. So, yes, here we all are together somehow because our hearts are joined in this wild pursuit of further up and further in. Hey, mm-hmm. so I'm glad that our listeners stick with us in our ramblings because um, we just delight in doing this and we love hearing back from our listeners. So today we're going to visit a theme that we often kind of visit early in the year, every year in kind of one form or another with a different nuance. What's it going to be, Amy? What is the nuance of this this time? Or what are we calling it? Uh, oh, goodness. I didn't get that far. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> what are we talking about today? How can I make this easy? <laughs> uh, we are going to be talking about um, our our longings, our, our desires, our needs, and mm-hmm. um, all the places that things can go sideways in that. Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I think we were texting each other back and forth, probably in November, when all of a sudden I said, you know what, we need to podcast this one. And uh, what was happening that day was it was one of my first days that I was homesick here in Calgary, which I mean, honestly, I haven't been a lot, which feels maybe like a grace that God has given to this obedience, he's called me to be here. And it's been satisfying. And good in most ways. I think homesickness is a natural process thing, but I think I did a lot of grieving before I came, honestly. Mm. And so being here has sort of been a really wonderful moving into a new chapter, but there was a, ah, this was going to touch on it in so many ways now that the details are coming to me. So Sunday afternoon, I didn't feel good about my preaching that day. Yes, so that's I think right. That's I remember now. Thing. Right. And so in the uncomfortable space of feeling insecure, you know, this is a new congregation. I don't know them. I don't know how to read them. How are they going to respond? I saw a guy taking notes and I bet you he caught on to where I got my brain was just, you know, spiraling. And man, when we're insecure, then our our souls want comfort Mm. and that's okay. You know, it's okay to want comfort, but what, what my, my instinct was, the comfort of friends who know you, the people you've screwed up with a thousand times and are going to love you anyway, like AKA Amy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I was homesick uh, that afternoon and um, didn't want to come back to my little empty apartment by myself. That felt like it was going to be too many feels. Uh, So I went shopping, which was a disaster (laughs) Sunday afternoon in late November in a city. (laughs) I was very crowded and yet made me feel even more lonely and angsty. And I kind of had one of those little aha moments where I was like, I needed to name what was going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did I really, you know, what did I really, what was I really craving? Not some food or 
distraction or I wanted the comfort of knowing I was deeply loved and safe emotionally. Mm. So you and, had, uh, yeah, you had this longing. I had longing. And you kind of. Yeah. And like a legitimate. Yeah. And you kind of went yeah. to the self-medicating numbing of shock. <laughs> the stupidest way. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just distraction, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to be distracted, which would be a theme for anybody, regardless of where your discomfort is. I wanted to be distracted from the feeling. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's definitely. Yeah. And we distract in, in numerous different ways. And uh, so I was like, yeah, I can't actually experience God. Who's going to be the source of what I need right now in the most meaningful way possible. Is it okay that I find comfort in good friends? Of course it is. That's part of his gift to us in community. But um we have to actually acknowledge the longing and name it for what it is mm-hmm. in order for it to be met in a healthy way. Yeah, that was kind of late November. But as we were talking about it, doing it now, I see it also this idea of like longing and naming it and seeing for what it is to find, you know, true fulfillment that kind of the beginning of the year is often, I've noticed a lot of different churches doing it, and we've kind of done it throughout the the years too, starting the year off with some kind of fasting. And Mm -hmm. I think for the fasting, whatever we choose to fast from is again, shutting down the distractions to to Mm -hmm. first actually, for me anyways, to first actually maybe get a bigger awareness of what my longings or desires or needs actually are and then encountering Jesus in those maybe we do these fasts I mean I can talk about that in a second but at the beginning of the year I know my husband used to say why do you do that we do the Daniel fast before my treatment I can't do it this year I'm really sad about that but my guts just can't handle all the fiber of a vegetable only diet um just post-treatment that's just one of the things that I'm living with so Um, So I've done the Daniel fast for years, which I just eat plant-based foods, no grains, that kind of stuff. And I would always be so cold without all the animal fat. And he'd say, why don't you do it in the summertime? And I was just like, no, I've got to do it. Start the year this way. But have I, one of the things I've discovered, if there's a month of the year, at least when you live in Northern Canada, I guess I don't count as Northern Canada anymore, but it sure is winter. January is the time of year when you want to medicate all the things. Oh, for sure. There's like... (laughs) There's nothing to look forward to for months. No, and it's dark and cold and you can't go outside and, and that, that. Yep. So yes. So I have been, I did set myself a fast still, and there's just um, a lot of comfort and delightful foods that I have cut out. Mm-hmm. So I'm still eating some things that I would not eat on the Daniel fast because I have to survive on something, but boy, do I ever turn to some things for comfort. Or just the absence of their comforting little routine. It's like, oh, oh, but it's this reminder. Really? Was that going to satisfy this malaise, this bleh feeling? Mm. Well, it kind of is temporarily, calorically. I mean, there's science to the endorphins that get released when I eat my dark chocolate. Didn't know how many times a day I turned to that. It's healthy. It's good for you. (laughs) Mm. Right. It, It. while yes, at the moment it does, but long term, it's not cultivating anything. It's not growing anything. It's not producing anything. It's kind of a very here and now appeasement. Yeah. And you know, the longings that we have, 
like I I'm trying to think I'm I'm verbally processing here without having thought this through. So we're we're going to figure it out together. I I really think that when we find out what the core longing is, it's actually always a legitimate need. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'm saying I'm saying like yeah. maybe if you have a longing for porn or erotica, that's not a godly desire, but underneath that desire is say comfort or connection or whatever. That's mm. a godly thing that we yeah. actually need. But we need to have all those in order to be a healthy, thriving person, because we're created in the image of God, our healthy, thriving well-being is in having those needs met properly mm. in God's way. Yep. I think that's, that uh, yeah, that totally makes sense that the the needs are legit, but we can take ungodly approaches to try and satisfy them even in a, you know, that's right. It can be in a self-medicating, numbing, distracting way, or it can be placing the obligation and expectation on someone or something to fulfill that whole longing when Mm -hmm. maybe it's only meant to fulfill a part. So for example, for those of us that are married spouses, man, for, I think that's a, that's a desire and, and legitimate to feel wanted, seen and loved by our spouse. Yeah. That's legit. But I think sometimes I have, and I know others too, but I'll just speak for myself, is all of a sudden I place like all of my need to feel want, seen, and loved on my spouse. Yeah. When he's not meant to fulfill the whole breadth of that. Yeah. And so then, you know, then I'm frustrated or I feel rejected or, uh, you know, he's not the husband he's supposed to be right now. And I can get angry and annoyed and frustrated and feel rejected and feel abandoned and all these different things when it's not that he's been a jerk or he's not loved me well. It's just that, you know, I've put everything of my need on him when he's only meant to be a little bit. And man, that's one that's such a tricky tension for me because then I'll go to fine. I'll just get my needs satisfied in God. I don't need anybody, Oh yeah, which is completely not true either. So it's like this ongoing, I wonder how old am I going to be before I get it totally figured out. And then I realize, oh no, Michelle, it's just about constantly walking in rhythm with God. And he's going to teach me how to be both vulnerable and dependent on him. Yeah. And, you know, even I'm croaking away here as I'm talking how much I dislike my human needs. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yet we live in a tension where you're, you're so right. Like God designed us. He said, it's not good to be alone. So we need to be in community, whether it's marriage community or friendship community, or we actually are designed by God to need other people because of the fall and sin and brokenness. That's never going to be a perfect, you know, scenario. Yep. We, this tension of, I need God and I need people. Yep, that's exactly it. And it has to be together in balance. Mm -hmm. Because you're right, I think some like we can just also the needs and wants and and longings, we can just deny that we have them, period. Like we're not even self medicating. We're just like, denying denial. Yeah, there's some song titanium out there that I hate so much. It was popular a while ago, my kids loved it. And they loved that it bugged me so much. But the theme of the song basically was I'm titanium. I don't feel anything. I don't need anything. And it sounds so triumphant in the song. And I'm like, it's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's not true. And so it just keeps us in this really humble, vulnerable space 
um, of staying open to relationship where all the goodness happens and so reliant as well on God. Mm. Yes. The words that just keep coming back to me are probably just because they're words that are important to me right now. One of my longings is this not having a home, but having a home here. Mm. So I'm, I'm staying in a, a wonderful space. I have um, friends who have rented their little suite over garage to me. It is beautiful and lovely and cozy and comfortable. Um, it's provision. So it's a refuge, but it's not my home. Mm. And, uh, you know, even this week when I, I was sick and I, I thought, oh, I need my uh, heating pad. Oh, I don't have it here. I, I'm living out of a suitcase here. It's it's a space, but I'm still, you know, not here. There's constant reminders that I don't have the comforts of home, my husband, my dog, all the things. And when I first came here, uh, a Psalm 73 came to my attention in the message. Paraphrase. It's right at the end of the Psalm. I think it's verse 28. It says, um, but I'm in the very presence of God. Oh, how refreshing it is. I have made the Lord my home. Mm. God, I'm telling the world what you do. And it was just so delightful to me. I've made the Lord God my home. And sometimes God's words carry a weight that isn't even something we can fully rationalize or make sense of. But when I when I say those words, I've made the Lord my home. Again, I come to this settled space. I mean, I, I believe there'll be a time when I have all the comforts of home, as we call, you know, all our little things. I think especially as women, we maybe bring little nesting things around us. I hope to have that day again sooner than later. But while I wait, there's actually spaces I can know God in this time. Like I could not know him at any other time in my life. And I think that's part of um, a beautiful way that God gives us opportunity to know him and maybe take ground that we can't otherwise. Mm. So every space of longing, I don't think that God causes, you know, broken disruptions in our life. Like when you're talking about the relational thing, obviously if we, what a wonderful thing it would be to experience relationships like Adam and Eve did in the garden of Eden. We can't even probably imagine. But every space that we have a longing is an invitation to know God in a way that we can't know him otherwise. Mm -hmm. I think C.S. Lewis, he has a, a great quote, which I will not do any justice to trying to off the cuff. But he he talks about how the hunger we have is actually an indication mm. that God exists. Yep. Uh, yep. But he obviously he, it's C.S. Lewis. So he says it in a beautiful way. But yeah, yeah, basically every, every hunger that we have for something that is not here or kind of like, um, that we've not experienced. Yeah. Is a hunger for God because where else would that desire come from? Yeah. And so, I mean, as people are listening, they're all going to have unique spaces of longing right now, longing for health, longing for connection, longing for just tangible provisions that are part of our human experience. Yeah. Every one of those, um, spaces of longing it's a space where if we can name it and recognize it for what it is then we can begin to ask to know god in that space because he'll he'll always come to our invitation mm -hmm. god i want to know you here how can i know you here in a way i've never known you before i mean what a way to triumph over every strategy of the enemy oh, yeah. the enemy wants me to be filled with anxiety and grief and 
you know, restlessness and a desire to control outcomes. Right. I mean, I can just see how I can scroll a thousand ways on this because I do sometimes at 2 a.m. Then I'm like, catch myself. No, my heart has found its home in God. I have a God who provides. I am going to tell the story someday of how God provided for me. Mm-hmm. And ways to blow my mind because I've walked with him long enough to know that that's who he is. But I have to circle back to remind <laughs> remembering, right? Because I'm human. Yep. And just to kind of do it in a summary way of we, we can't, or we will have a hard time finding God's presence in the midst of our longings. If we're denying, we have longings, if we're self-medicating our longings, or if we are wrongfully pursuing the fulfillment of those, those longings, it's really when, like you said, we, we pause, we become aware and we name what Mm -hmm. we're actually longing for, then we can move to the, okay, and, and God, where are you in this? And so we have both those longings that happen just as a natural outcome of our life experience. And also when we do any sort of season of fasting, Mm -hmm. just actually what we're doing is triggering some longing for the things that we habitually participate in, whether it's social media, certain activities, certain foods, all those things that are part of our human experience. Anytime we suspend those for a period of time and deliberately set it aside, it's just, that's how we're creating space to pay attention to the presence of God in our lives. So it's, it's a good discipline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we pray for our listeners that they would recognize uh, their longings for what they are, the deepest needs that God has actually created them with. They would have like a strength and a courage to lay aside unhelpful coping mechanisms and they would know God in a way they've never known him in any other space and time because he loves them and he is inviting them further up and further in. Mm-hmm.